Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in relationships, we grow in discipleship, and we grow in Jesus Christ. In this series, we're studying the Decalogue, 10 Words for Our Living. These are the Ten Commandments that shape the way Christians live, a word that has not been abolished but fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join this study as we take a commandment each week and see the way God has intended for us to live in fellowship with Him. Subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday. Exodus chapter 20, we're going to continue in a study that we've been in. And yet, as we sing songs concerning the humility, really, of the incarnation of Christ, God-man, what it, what it took on, on behalf of Christ to accomplish what He did on the cross, all of this really applies. And so we're going to keep trucking through our study in the Ten Commandments, and I hope that that's going to give to us an added element or aspect of our worship and our understanding uh, of the Ten Commandments and how exactly they are fulfilled in Christ. So this morning we're on the Eighth Command. That is Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. And so I would like to begin at verse 12. These are some of those horizontal commands, and I'll read through verse 15, and I welcome you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning. God giving His law to Moses and the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai, amid lightning and thunder, says, Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. And our commandment this morning, thou shalt not steal. Father, it's interesting this morning that we would come and... Lord, that we would consider what your word has to say about theft. Lord, we come to you trusting as you so often lead us as we just walk through your passage and we don't delineate from it. We see you've got a purpose and you speak to hearts as they need to hear. I've been impressed with the way that I hear people week in and week out say that they had heard you spoke. Speak through your word. God, we ask you this morning that you would speak still through what seems to be a simple command that is so often taken for granted. Lord, that you would help us listen afresh this morning. We don't hear from, from me standing up here. Um any level of wit, we wouldn't suffer from any lack of wit of my own, but Lord, that we would hear from you in your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 
that seems easy enough. Thou shalt not steal. Maybe I would have been given leave as a pastor to skip over this one and think that you all understand what it means not to steal. You know, even as we fall short of God's law, we feel like we still got this one. And maybe we need a reminder sometimes that this law of God is the basis of all morality. People pretty commonly reject the idea that we shouldn't steal things. Uh, And I want us just to acknowledge, why do you feel that way? It comes from God's law. God is the one who appoints this moral code. That's what this law does for us. And and it stands for all of life in, in a number of ways. And yet, even those who aren't Christian benefit from this law. There's one book that came to mind as I was preparing this, and it was a, a book, and you might have read it, maybe not. Um, it's a novel, in a, really from a Muslim context. It's called Kite Runner. And I remember reading a, a, a portion in that in which the father of the protagonist in his childhood years explains to to his son that all sin all crime all of these things is a uh, type of theft he explains in the book that everything if you murder someone you're stealing this person's life away Um, anything you do whenever you lie to someone you're stealing their right to know the truth and, and, and you could go on. There's any number of examples. And we even recognize, if we're honest, if we go beyond just scratching the surface and trying to excuse ourselves from not stealing or having been arrested for theft, we realize there's a number of things that can be stolen. Obviously, money could be stolen. Any material thing could be stolen. Your identity can be stolen. Your husband or your wife, we might say, could be stolen um, literally or, or even by way of adultery, which we've already talked about. Um, we talk of people stealing our jobs. We might even say someone steals a slice of pizza that we think belongs to us at dinner time. We've even taken a culture of stealing and made fun out of it. it All kinds of video games uh, make a habit of stealing uh, in their normal uh, transactions in the video game. And so before we really approach just the issue by itself of stealing, I want us to address the predicament of entitlement. I'm following the outline that's in the back of the bulletin. If you're new, that's... That's what I'll be following. You see, because we know we fall short of God's law, sometimes we fail to apply all of God's law to ourselves, and we even say, well, things have changed with Christ coming or, or, or something else, and yet we still get pretty mad whenever someone steals something from us. And this passage doesn't speak directly to our entitlement. 
And yet it's very important because our entitlement, the way that we feel entitled to things, certainly doesn't form the way that we think about this sin. And just to clarify, because so often when we hear that terminology, entitlement, we hear it expressed, self-entitlement. And we're often talking about someone who feels that they deserve something that they didn't work for, or that they deserve something that in fact we feel that they probably don't deserve. But I want to take that a step further. While that's true and probably a wrong sense of entitlement that people should not have, we certainly do feel entitled to the things that we work for. We work for something, we feel that we deserve that. We're entitled to that. Um, we feel that we're entitled to things that were promised. If someone promises something to us, then we feel entitled to that. Sometimes it's just in general or, or, or a sense of fairness. Well, this is what is fair, and so I feel that this is what I should deserve because anyone should deserve those same things. And we could apply that to anything. We could apply that to a fair wage. We feel if we're shorted on our paycheck, well, that's been stolen from us. If we're promised a pension and all of a sudden that is taken away, that, that feels like we've been personally offended, like that has been stolen away. So we've got to realize all of this is lumped in when we consider entitlement. That's what we're talking about. We all have a sense of what it is we feel that we are deserving of. And so first, that affects our view of theft. Because whenever we feel that we've been wrong, whenever something has been stolen away, or we don't get that what we feel like we deserve, whether it's we've worked for it, or we've prayed for it even, whatever the case is, it, we feel as if it has just been stolen, even whenever we never had anything to begin with. The fact that we never received what we thought we should get, it's been stolen from us. We feel cheated. Maybe this is like the, the mantra that I hear sometimes in my circle, taxation is theft. Don't judge me, I'm just being honest with you, I hear it. But it's this idea, the way that we're viewing all the things, these transactions that are going on around us have so much to do with the way that we feel that we deserve things. And so like sin so often does, sin multiplies sin. And what's odd about this idea of entitlement is that it often motivates theft. Sometimes even the idea that we think that we have been stolen from or had something wrongfully taken from us or, or we're not getting what we deserve and that by itself we think we've been stolen from so it influences us to go and steal. This justifies in our own mind our sin and theft. We might say they owe it to me. This could be anything. In any walk of life, I mean this could be uh, tools, time, you know, we, uh, the guys that's been in industry, you know, I've heard the stories of, you know, guys pitching grinders over the fence to pick them up later, 
you know, we maybe we haven't been working diligently under the Lord, you know, we've had a down day and we say, hey, they owe it to me. You know, they owe me that much for my time. We could say this of um, any other thing. We might even say of the rich. Well, they're rich. They owe it to me. Or someone who owns a successful business, they could afford to do that much for their customers anyway. This entitlement drives and even motivates theft. Regardless of how it is. I mean, let's just see that. And I want us to understand, we might even say this about the government or sticking it to the man, whoever that is, corporate America, uh, big government or any other thing. We can put any boogeyman that we want to on uh, the topic. It does not negate the fact that that entitlement motivates our sin. And so we've got to consider that when we discuss the law of God concerning stealing. But now let's look at the sin of theft by itself. When you're taking something that does not belong to you, it hasn't been provided through those ordinary means of, of work or, or, or blessing. And so at, at its core, when something is stolen, at its core, this is really just violating that faith in God. We remember Christ's Sermon on the Mount in in, in Matthew 6, or at least this portion of the sermon that I'm speaking of, and he calls us to look at the birds of the air. See how they neither, uh, they neither sow nor reap nor gather, and yet the Lord feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable? And so when we steal something, that act of stealing is taking something for ourselves that has not depended upon the providence of God. Much more than that, we're actually becoming guilty of taking something that God has providentially given to someone else. Boy, apply that to some of those things we just mentioned. Imagine if we did say all of these things were some sort of theft and, we, and if ever a man's wife is stolen taking something that God has outfitted for another man or, or whatever, if it's taking something from work. And I don't know the culture of your work. They may, they may give you office supplies that you regularly need and use in your home. And, and I know the meal has been gracious. Lila freely receives paper they just donate to us, and it's not stealing. Um, but at the same time, Stealing by itself is an affront against the blessing of God. These are deeds of darkness that scriptures speak of, which is why stealing so often and always occurs whenever it can remain hidden. Or thieves steal at night. We even, even see metaphors in scripture, you know, coming like a Christ coming like a thief in the night, or 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 the Strong man of the house, you know, being waiting up at night. These are deeds of darkness. They remain hidden, and that's why. But I want to I press us a little further because sometimes we look at Scripture, and frankly, we just don't have the time to give the fullest amount of study that I would love to give to this. 
Because the way Scripture speaks of all of these different facets of the Christian life, whether, whether God's Word is calling us to tithe or offering, whether He's calling us to give alms to the poor, whether in the Old Testament where He calls uh, the people of Israel to leave a portion of their crop for gleaning for the poor, Anytime that we fail to do any one of those things, the Scriptures speak to us in such a way that we have stolen. You see, it's the poor that, to which that gleaning crop, that leftover crop, rightfully belongs. God's made provision in His Word for all those, even the sojourner in His land. And whenever we fail to do all of His Word, when we fail to do those good things, it is theft from the person God has designed us to bless. That's got huge implications for us as a church. When we come to our prayer for one another, our giving to the poor, meeting needs, our attending to the sick, our taking the gospel to those around us who don't have it. Sometimes I think of Extreme stories in Scripture. You might re remember Ananias and Sapphira. That's out of Acts chapter 5. If you don't remember this story, the, the, the word steal is not explicitly mentioned there. And yet the same idea occurs. What, what this man and his wife do in response to whenever many people of the church were moved to community, they were selling all that they had and they were giving it to the church because the church was taking all of these funds and all of these provisions they were meeting any needs among any of them as they had need. And so Ananias and Sapphira get a bright plan. Say, hey, we're going to be a part of this movement. But we want to do something a little different. We, we sell all that we have and then they take us a portion of that for themselves and they hold it back here. And then they give and they say, here is the proceedings, here's, here's uh, the provision, here's what's come, the profit, the increase from us selling all that we have. Do you all remember what happens? Yeah. Peter rebukes him and says, listen, why do you think you can lie against the Spirit this way? Because he asks him, gives him a fair shake. What, what is it that you've earned from the selling of your property? And he tells him, well, it's... It wasn't the real amount, it's this much. He strikes him dead. He says, Listen, you're going to die for that. You haven't lied to me. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. His wife walks in after him. They carry him out. His wife walks in and give him a good test though first. Won't you tell me what did you get from that property? We got this much. And in sorrow, he says, why? How could you conspire with your husband? Just like I told your husband, was this not yours to begin with? You didn't have to sell anything. It was all yours. God had given it to you, and yet you despise him so. His provision, you, all the things we've already talked about, you deny his provision, his care, and all these things, and you lie and you take that which wasn't yours because you've lied about even your own gift. I think that applies to this.
can help but think of Romans 13.8. You may jot that down in your notes. It's just, and, and here's where Paul says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. And he goes on to say that, that, that in love, all the commandment of the Lord, so to uh, not commit adultery, to not kill, to not steal, to not covet, all of this is fulfilled in loving your neighbor. So we're considering the command. He's clearly talking about the command of God. And yet here the way that, that Paul puts that forth to the Roman church is don't owe anything to anyone. God's going to provide, but owe one another love. Except to love one another. It says if we owe it to them. And when we take that from someone that they're owed, we've already talked about that. Our own entitlement judges every, everyone else around us. When we aren't given something we feel we're owed, it is theft. We understand that much. Imagine... Now, how Scripture views this when we owe our love to one another. Have we been faithful in that? Or have we stolen this grace of God within the church? And so that sin of theft, it certainly involves stealing and it involves a failure to give. But I can't help but approach this because I, as, as is consistent with all the rest of the command, there's something more going on than a legalistic claim to your life. Follow this set of rules. God's revealing Himself. He's revealing His own character. And He's calling us to something bigger and better than ourselves. And that is relationship to Him, namely through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so I want us to step back and look at this as a whole and in the grand scheme of things in the context of the giver and the thief. That is the lawgiver and the law. In this case, thou shalt not steal. God is the provider. For everything. He even tells us, you have not because you ask not. And he tells us we don't ask rightly according to the will of God. He doesn't tell us to take for yourself. There's never a point in the life of the Christian which you have, you are forced to steal. God is a provider. He is a giver inherently. It is what it is an identity marker of God Himself, the one who's giving this law. Don't steal. I will meet your needs for you. And so Christ, when we come to look at Christ, He is antithetical to theft. That means He is opposite, completely contrary to theft, to stealing. All that this law calls us, uh, or, or all the sin that this law identifies is the opposite of that which Christ is. He's the giver of life, more than that, life abundantly. Even the incarnation, which some of these songs emphasize and call to our memory, it is a gift. God gives His Son 
More than this, in His Son, He offers us a free gift of salvation. This is the opposite of the thief. Maybe even this, the snatching away, even compared at times to the serpent or, or to the, the, the crows in the parable of the sower and the seed. The one who snatches away. This is not true with God in Christ. I'd like for you to write down, if you're a note taker, just jot 2 Corinthians 8-9 down. Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. That is contrary. All that we are called to be, it is not just a legalistic command to not steal, don't get caught, or something like that. There's something much greater. More than this, there's no hope of having what we have given to us to be stolen from us. And really, these two subpoints are very closely related because Christ is opposite of this, but I want to look a little more intently at this attitude of sacrifice. Because there, instead of this idea of stealing, He doesn't simply just give, but He gives up for our sakes. One of my favorites that I come to, and you've probably heard me come to quite frequently, is Philippians 2 passage in which really Paul prefaces this section with, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, those in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But He emptied Himself. He made Himself nothing or of no repute. doesn't matter. Pick your translation on this. God took, Christ took all the rights and privileges that belonged to Him. And the glory He had with God in heaven before the incarnation, He gave all that up to come as a babe. Not just as a man, but being born. He took the likeness of men being born as a babe, just helpless, even as a man. Not just that, not just to where he was a man and subjected to the things that humanity is subjected to, but as a child, one who had to learn obedience, the Son of God. Not only is he a giver, but he gives up. This is the nature of the God who's calling us, don't steal. but receive. He actually calls us to give up what is rightfully ours. In essence, what I have cannot be stolen. That's easily expressed in a joking way. You know, if someone comes into the break room and says, hey, I'm going to steal a cup of coffee. I say, hey, don't steal it. 
I'll give it to you. The same thing happens if someone has reached out in need and, and, and they say, oh, I'll pay you back or I'll do something, whatever else. Well, I think you've misunderstood the nature of what's going on. I'm giving you something that you don't have, something you are in dire need of. You're not going to give that back. I hear from a close friend who's a doctor, a friend of ours. who in becoming a doctor, the way in which he was able to become a doctor in his impoverished state was to simply ask for donations. Phil had to be a doctor. I need someone to support me to do that. He sent out, I don't know, a hundred letters, I don't know. He sent out a bunch of letters to all the richest people, I think in a, out of a book from the library that he checked out. None of those responded except one. He said, listen, I'm not going to pay for you to be a doctor. But I have one contact. I want you to call this man right here. And he called him and he gave. He said, look, I'm going to put you all the way through school. You're going to be a doctor on my tab. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, the man became very successful. And he said, you know, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to come back and I'm going to pay you back for that goodness, that way you blessed me. He said, how can you? How can you give me what you could in no way? You can't repay me that because you can't give me what I can't give myself. No, what you have to do is you have to give to someone who can't give back to you. This is a lot like the way this blessing works. You know, stealing, you, this, this says thou shalt not steal. When we read the word of God, when we invest ourselves in the character and the identity of God, when we truly become the church, oh man, this, this is so much more than about stealing. Here's another passage for you to write down. Ephesians 4.28 He who steals, steal no longer. Here's what this man needs to do. He must labor, performing with his own hands what's good, so that he will have something to share with those who have need. Understand, in God's law, it does not say there's no place for the thief. He says, I've got something, I've got a place for you, because those thieves out here among you there's a calling for you. There's a transformation for you. As a matter of fact, there is one such man that if you had any doubts that God makes clear in His most glorious moment in Christ on the cross, there is another man in which He explicitly saves in there. There's a man who looked closer than anyone else upon the glory of the Lord in the suffering of the cross. Who was it? The thief on his right. A man who had failed this command to not steal. And he was meeting his just judgment. He would die for his transgressions. That's justice. And yet there is no lecture. There is humility. There is repentance and there is faith. I've got nothing. Remember me. Just remember me. 
you know, there's a response because I think that this command, when we're honest, we come to realize the way in which we are guilty. I realize the ways in history how I have stolen my wife's right to a good husband. I've been there. I've been addicted to overtime. I've had the most hours. I realize the way in which I've stolen a loving father who actually disciples and shepherds his family. I really need for you to let God speak to you instead of skimming over his command and think you're good like the young rich man who walked away sorrowful. Because Christ had a word for that thief on a cross. It was this day you'll be with me in paradise. That is the Christ that we serve. Surely God knew in giving this command who his son would die next to. I hope you know that Christ. He is worth everything. Father, we come to you this morning and we realize what it is that you provide we can't steal or take for ourselves. I I think of the man who found the pearls in the field. And yet there is no context for the man to, to take and to hide and to steal what did not belong to him. No. We, like him, are called to sell out. To get rid of every other thing in our possession, in our care, in our interest, for the sake of a salvation that exceeds the worth of those pearls. God, that you would take us as a church and turn us away from the selfishness that we suffer. Father, that we would be like you and realize nothing we have can be stolen. if in fact we freely give it. Lord, I pray that this word moves this morning, that we're able to see the gift that is above every gift that you have given. Lord, that in the context of this command, in the context of our traditions, whatever they may be this time of year, that we understand what we're coming to when we come to Christ. The one who not only redeems thieves, but saves us from one who would snatch us away, who sustains us in every breath that we take, who understands our shortcoming and yet promises He will provide
We all need this Savior. Father, it is in the name of this Savior, of this Lord, this name that's above every other name that we pray. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit us on a Sunday to see how you can participate in the ongoing work that God is doing at New Life Baptist Church. Where we grow in relationships, we grow in discipleship, and most of all, we grow in Jesus Christ.